Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. Those of you who have been following news anywhere will know that we, the pro-life movement has seen a wave of violence since the Alito decision was leaked. Now, of course, we do not know if that is the final decision overturning Roe v. Wade. We are all prayerfully hoping that that is the case. And the abortion movement certainly seems to believe that it is, because under the slogan, Jane's Revenge, which we believe is a reference to the 1970s illegal abortion group, the Jane Collective, they've been firebombing crisis pregnancy centers, smashing windows, splashing red paint on churches, and spray painting slogans onto the buildings of pro-life organizations or religious institutions. And so to discuss this turn of affairs and to find out where this could be headed, I called my friend Mark Harrington of Created Equal. He's been on this show before. We talked to him previously on the podcast about the great purge of pro-lifers from social media. Uh, he and his organization have been preparing for this violence. And so I brought on Mark to have a discussion and kind of give us an update from his perspective. Here's that conversation. All right, Mark. Uh, it's always awesome to have you on the show again. I hope to see you in Washington, D.C. later this month for what we hope will be the fall of Roe v. Wade. And it looks like uh, the abortion movement is already responding to what they believe will be the fall of Roe v. Wade with a wave of pro-abortion violence across the country. Now, I get your emails, so I know that you and your activists have faced plenty of violence in the past. Is what we're seeing an escalation or just more attention being paid to what happens to pro-life activists all the time? There's no doubt that there's been an increase. Uh, when the, the, uh, the, the Alito draft was leaked, we saw, a, a, you know, kind of a flare up. I, for one, was, as, was actually uh, thankful that it wasn't as bad as many of us predicted right after the uh, the leaked Alito brief. But since then, uh, I think things have gotten worse, frankly. I, I thought maybe it had calmed down, but uh, we're now seeing uh, facilities, pregnancy resource centers being bombed, firebombed, lots of uh, vandalism at, at some of these centers. Uh, so I think it's, and there's already, you know, online, some of these organizations like Jane's Revenge and, and others are, you know, overtly saying they are going to burn down the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean, things like that. So uh, I think we need to take all of this seriously. Had you ever heard the phrase Jane's Revenge until recently? I, I asked an investigator about about this name, and, and it seems to me that Jane's Revenge is sort of a slogan that a whole disparate collection of pro-abortion folks are using uh, in the same way Antifa doesn't have an organized hierarchical leadership, but just a collection of violent tactics that Jane's revenge is a similar thing. What's your take on, on that group or if it is a group? Yeah, I've looked into it as, as like you, I, I think you're right. I think it's just kind of this ad hoc group of people that have come together after the leaked brief by justice Alito. Uh, and there's very little known about them. They just grab a name and a couple of them talk online and, and go about their business doing things like this. So I don't know if you can bring charges against these people. I mean, it's going to be hard to track them down because they really aren't organized in the sense of, you know, they got a, a you know, a facility and, you know, a group of people that are well known. This is uh, in response to the to the Lido leak. So. Uh, whether it's James Revenge or just indiv individual pro-abortion activists, uh, I think we all just need to hunker down. 
I suspect it's 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 a lot of the same people that were part of the BLM uh, Antifa riots prior, because you know, like a lot of the the, the key BLM um, activists turned out to also be Antifa activists. Like these are sort of an- anarchist revolutionary characters who attach themselves to whatever sort of parasitic violence undermines the republic. This being the latest example, right? But I wanted to read to you. A list I made after going through all of the different incidents of violence just since the Alito leak, because what's crazy to me is the specific target. So you have a firebombing in Madison, Wisconsin, vandalism at a church in Fort Collins, Colorado, vandalism in Ryerston, Maryland, vandalism at a Mormon temple in Olympia, Washington, uh, smashed windows at a crisis pregnancy center in Des Moines, Iowa, vandalism in Linwood, Washington, vandalism at a CPC in Washington, D.C., again, vandalism at a CPC in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, There was that firebombing of a crisis pregnancy center in Buffalo, New York, vandalism at a crisis pregnancy center in Florida, uh, vandalism at another one in Vancouver, and a lot of this vandalism is is splashed red paint with the slogan, um, if abortion isn't safe, you aren't either. Uh, Vandalism at two two CPCs in Frederick, Maryland, uh, at another one in Denton, Texas, smashed windows at a center in, in Philadelphia. And then the most recently or most seriously was the firebombing of the crisis pregnancy center in Gresham, Oregon. Now, what surprises me a little bit about the targets is why just churches and crisis pregnancy centers as opposed to uh, groups like that do the sort of work that, you know, our groups do, right? People who use abortion victim photography are more used to violent pushback. These people are firebombing places that provide diapers to mothers in need. Well, I think they're soft targets. That's what I think. I think that pregnancy resource centers aren't prepared for this type of thing. Uh, organizations like Created Equal are somewhat used to, uh, not, not maybe the, the, you know, the violence per se, our facilities or arson or those kinds of things, but we've always been on our guard. Uh, for the other side. We're, we're always up in our security profile. So I think maybe they figure that, uh, they know that, and, and they're going to the softer targets. These churches are completely unprepared uh, for what's coming at them. This reminds me a lot of what happened in Canada last year after there was that loud discussion about the legacy of residential schools and a couple of dozen churches were burned down without comment whatsoever by the authorities. And we seem to be we seeing this now is, is that Biden and the Democrats were at 24. 24 was just my last count. It could be more for all I know, because it's hard to keep track of these really disparate events if they're not reported online. Um, but Biden hasn't said anything. The Democrats haven't said anything. I'm sure they don't want to flip the narrative since they're constantly complaining about how violent pro-life activists are. What's your take? Do you think that eventually violence is going to hit the peak where they have to speak out? Well, it's interesting. This morning, there was another fire bombing of a uh, representative, a state representative in Washington state. I don't know if you saw that, but that's the newest of uh, one of these arson attempts. And Life News has actually actually documented every single case of pro-abortion violence, and they include intimidation in this ever since the leak. And they, they account for 60 of these cases. So I think there's more than what we realize. They're just not necessarily being reported. Obviously, mainstream media is going to ignore it. The Biden administration is going to ignore it. I mean, when you have Charles Schumer, you know, the Senate majority leader, basically saying as long as they are peaceful in front of, you know, Brett Kavanaugh's house, even though they're violating federal law and picketing in front of their home, it's okay with him. I mean, they're basically giving them the uh, the green light to do this kind of thing. And, and as long as that's the case, there's it's not going to stop. Uh, the federal government has to to draw the line. The Justice Department hasn't done much. 
the U.S. Senate is, uh, you know, they passed a, a provision to fund to more uh, law enforcement in front of uh, U.S. Supreme Court justices' homes, and it sits it dead in the U.S. House right now. Nancy Pelosi has refused to take it to a vote. So, I mean, they are telegraphing exactly what they want these people to do. Yeah, can you believe just for a moment what the reaction would be, not just in the U.S., but, but worldwide, if, if the leak that had come out a couple of months ago indicated that Roe was going to be upheld, uh, you know, um, you know, by a vote of five to four or six to three, and there was threats in Sonia Sotomayor or Alina Kagan's life? In the U.S. right now, we have the J6, these, these sham hearings, right? Uh, and, and, and it's taking them, what, over a year and a half to collect all this so-called evidence against the people that broke into the Capitol, thousands of documents and testimony and all that. And they're trying to piece together this narrative that there was some kind of grand scheme to overthrow the U.S. government. And we have Charles Schumer two years ago in front of the U.S. Supreme Court on the steps, basically saying that Gorsuch and Kavanaugh uh, you know, that they, they, they were going to, uh, you know, face dire consequences for their awful decisions. So, I mean, we, we have sitting senators that are making threats to U.S. Supreme Court justices. You will pay the price, he said. And there is no investigation of this man. Uh, that's what, you know, the problem is right now is that, the, the, you know, the Biden administration is not interested in looking into this. Uh, I'm afraid somebody's going to have to get really hurt here. I mean, what's it take? A threat on the a sitting U.S. Supreme Court justice, a, a you know, it, it, the man says that he was going to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. And yet these folks, th- th- this bill that would beef up security in front of uh, these Supreme Court justices homes is dead in the U.S. House of Representatives. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And this guy got arrested like on Kavanaugh's block, too. It wasn't like, you know, he got nailed two states over. One of the things uh, that that Jane's Revenge, whoever they specifically are, have said so far is they released a statement on on a couple of major anarchist websites, which is, again, where a lot of the Antifa folks post their stuff as well. And what they're calling for. So the abortion activists have called for this summer of rage and it, it's kind of fizzled. Um, the summer of rage hasn't actually resulted in a whole lot of public action, considering the fact that 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 Alito's draft um, indicates that Roe may fall. Uh, that, and that did surprise me. But, but it looks like a lot of those a lot of the major abortion groups like NARAL, et cetera, are kind of tired and, and not a lot of people listen to them. I don't think um, I don't think abortion animates uh, people in Mississippi and Alabama like they thought that it might. Because, you know, row falling won't change the status quo on the ground in a bunch of different states as much as they think it would. But what you do have now is is a different scenario in which Jane's Revenge is calling for a night of rage, which worries me a lot more based on, you know, I had said 23 pro-life facilities targeted so far. You say including incidents and threats that that number that number skyrockets to over 60. And in their sort of manifesto, they basically they, they call on anybody who is willing to stand up for abortion rights to come out at 8 p.m. on the night Roe falls and to start torching stuff. What are your th- thoughts of the credibility of that? And, 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 and are you guys and other pro-life groups preparing for this eventuality? I think we need to take it seriously. Uh, you know, the uh, National Terrorism Advisory System, which is part of the de- uh, Department of uh, Homeland Security, has issued a bulletin saying that uh, these attacks are going to become more prevalent, uh, believe it or not. But, you know, you have governors like the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, 
who's not investigating the bombing in New York, the uh, pregnancy resource center there. She's actually investigating the pro-life pregnancy centers. I don't know if you saw that, but they passed a bill in the, the legislature there in New York to investigate the pregnancy centers right now. So, I mean, it's unbelievable, but yeah, I, I, we're taking it seriously. And I think everybody else should. There's practical things we can be doing. If you have a pro-life organization, if you have a building, a facility, your own personal homes are not off limits to these people, no question. And, and also just your own personal security. If you're out doing this type of activism, you're very visible in the community. Uh, there's things we need to do. We need to be practical, but we don't want to fear. We don't want to cower in fear. We're not going to change what we do, but we got to be smart about what we're doing. And so we've, we've taken some steps, and I think others should as well. Have you guys got any specific threats? Like I know, like in terms of pro-life offices, I know like a couple of years back, right? Our mutual friend, Troy Newman's offices at Operation Rescue had a lit, lit torch left in an alleyway. Um, I don't know what the arsonist was trying to do because I, from the photos, I think he leaned it against brick. But have you guys got any threats that have put you on alert? We're getting some email threats uh, and we've been turning those over to the FBI. Nothing beyond that as far as we can tell. And I don't want to talk too much about all of this because we are taking some measures. But, you know, honestly, Jonathan, when, you know, we saw the purge happen after the uh, Biden took office here in the United States, when, uh, you know, the, the, the social media companies purged, you know, all these conservative organizations. And there were things like that, cancel culture and things. We took steps then to protect some of our financial assets we took steps then to protect our, you know, website, email, all these kinds of things that are susceptible to hacks and online, you know, uh, illegal activity. And so we've protected our side. You know, those are the things where I think we haven't looked at yet. And that's the cyber attacks that can come. Those can be as devastating as someone burning your building down if they get inside your network and are able to attack your data or steal it. And so we've taken some actions there and I think others should as well. So I know you can't get into specifics because that would be obviously be unwise for obvious reasons, but what do you think pro-life groups should be doing in more generic terms? Just some pieces of advice they should be doing in response to this, because what I think could happen is let's say, God willing, uh, Roe falls on, on June 27th. And there's been a lot of discussion about why we haven't heard from Roe yet. Uh, I, I noticed Ben Dominich, Ben Dominich put out an interesting theory. He just said, look, um, none of the justices are going to release the Dobbs decision while their kids are attending D.C. area schools. Yeah, I've said that for weeks. Yeah, so they're going to release, you know, they're going to release Dobbs and, and then get her to dodge, which would totally make sense to me. And then 8 p.m., if, uh, if, if, if Jane's Revenge actually manages to pull this off, you'll see these disparate attacks sort of across the country. And then if those things go well, we could see a... A sort of a triggering effect, which is what we saw with the BLM Antifa riots, where it was a combination of people who just wanted to protest and then people who were emboldened by the handful of those willing to perpetrate actual violence. And so especially for organizations that have um, like locations where it's, it's not just activism, they're not just working out of homes, but they have actual offices and offices that in many cases are well known. Um, a lot of them, you know, you can find online. Uh, what, what do, what sort of steps do you suggest people begin to take to ensure that they're that they're as, as safe as they can be in the interim? Some, some may choose to to move to unknown office uh, spaces, right? Like here, 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 here in Canada, our offices have uh, 
uh, we, we've we've kept those um those those locations scrubbed for years and if people follow us you know we've got protocols in place for ensuring we don't not lead anybody back there but what would your suggestions be well most of it's common sense i mean just so situational awareness would be the first thing and that is just you know if you see something say something something stands out doesn't look right you know as you're arriving to work you're on the parking lot you're walking in those kinds of things Make sure you have good locks on your doors. Don't leave your doors open. I mean, these are simple things. Uh, you know, when you're going home or you're going from uh, your, your uh, outreach event or wherever you are, make sure you're not being followed. I mean, these are just basic common sense things that we've done for years. Uh, increase your lighting. I mean, you can get cameras. It depends how much money you've got available to actually put towards this. But a pro-life organization that does not have cameras around the building is asking for trouble. I mean, that's for sure. And alarm systems, all these things are important. I may be a little late to be doing all that, but I tell you, I think this is the new normal. And I think we're, uh, we're, we're in for some trouble coming forward. So I'd say just do everything you can. We've, we've kind of got a top to bottom security review. And if people are interested, they can contact me privately and I can go over all the things that we've done. I think we've been helpful to a lot of groups and individuals. Uh, basically just telling them what we've done and our experience over the years. And now just in the last several months uh, with the imminent overturning of Roe, we just understand this is going to be the way it is. When we look at uh, potentially the end of the summer, what's what's it, what a lot of people are wondering is, is what the end game of these people are. Now, the interesting thing, of course, is that if you've got like if you've got Mar- like Marxist groups or progressive groups, they at least do have an end game. Like they're they're fundamentally utopian type groups. We just think their utopia turns into a dystopia. But the problem with anarchist groups is that they don't actually have any end to it. Right? It's just chaos is the point, and so it's a lot more difficult to kind of figure out what to do about groups that are fundamentally anarchist because you can't predict what they're going to do because they, you don't know what their ends are. So do you think people just have to get used to the fact that there is going to be a number of people um, under a slogan that may not have any hierarchical organization that are going to be, you know, chucking firebombs to the front windows of crisis pregnancy centers? Well, you know, James Revenge has said that they want pro-life organizations to disband. That is their goal within 30 days. That's what they've said online. That's the goal is to get these organizations like us and others just to, to shut our doors because they're intimidated. Uh, you know, we don't want to face the, the violence and vandalism and threats and, and the, the doxing and all of the things that are possible uh, in a post-Row America. So I think that is their goal. Uh, I would say, you know, hunker down. And that doesn't mean stop what you're doing. I mean, obviously, but there's going to be a period of time here in the next several months once Rose handed down. We're going to see a peak and then we're going to see something else. And that'll be the whatever, you know, consider is the new normal. And then you got to kind of look at things and, okay, now where do we do? What do we do now? We survive that, you know, the initial whatever happens, you know, and then after that's done, it's like, okay, where are we now? Uh, and how do we continue to do the mission and the work now that things have, you know, I expect things to settle down a little bit, but we have a, you know, we have an, we have a, a you know, an off year election this year in November. So it may go all the way through November and in, into early next year, some of this stuff happening. But I imagine things are going to settle down to a certain degree because you know, the, the pro-abortion folks are saying the sky's falling. You know, their right to abortion is no longer, you know, available here in the United States. You're not going to have access to abortion. 
Unfortunately, that's not necessarily true. And I think Americans are going to figure that out. They're going to realize that, okay, all that hyperbole was not, not true. Uh, and, and there will be a new normal that we'll have to adapt to. And, but for now, I say keep your profile low. Keep your head down a little bit. Let's get through this together and then see what happens on the other side. So before I get to, to asking you a little bit about your analysis of, of what a post-Royal America could look like, when you got reach out to the FBI, are they helpful? Because it's, it's really interesting when you say FBI, my, my first response always is, I remember how I remember how strenuously they investigated pro-life groups during the Obama years. No, they've been responsive so far. So and of course, these are just this isn't Merrick Garland answering the phone. <laughs> you know, these are the these are the rank and file. They're just there to do their job. So they're reporting the information. Uh, they've suggested that we get local law enforcement involved. So whether they follow up and we end up hearing anything back from them is a whole other story, right? I mean, we don't know, but we're doing what we can um, to, to notify the law enforcement. And the, person, the importance of that is that you got to have, uh, you know, you got to have a record uh, of the events because people need to be taking this seriously. You know, I, I've gotten these threats. and I think, should I report these to the FBI? They aren't going to do anything about it. It's probably true. But I think, well, you know, if something does happen, then I can say, listen, we've contacted you here, here, and here. We had this threat, this threat, this threat. Uh, you know, where were you people? I mean, what were you doing? So that's why it's important to document this information as it comes in. Let's say Roe does fall on, on June 27, which is what we're all hoping and praying will actually take place. Uh, a lot of people are looking sort of at the long term and looking at, you know, which states have trigger bans, which states don't. What do you think the rest of the year is going to look like? So let's let's go from June until until post the November midterm elections. Pro-abortion side is already uh, telegraphed or basically already put into place what they're doing in states like Ohio, where I live. They're going to immediately go into state court and sue to try to keep, say, our heartbeat bill from taking effect. So they're going to sue at the state level based on some other contrived constitutional right, I imagine. And so I don't see bills like a heartbeat bill or these trigger laws going to affect right away. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think it's going to take time for these things to work their way through court again. I mean, the, the pro boards aren't going to sit back and say, oh, yeah, we'll just let that trigger law go into effect. No, they're going to sue. And that's going to happen all across the country. So it's going to take some time those to get through the uh, system and to actually put in, be put into effect and uh, enforced. So I don't know how long that would take. I mean, it could take a year, could take six months, could take longer. Who knows? I mean, they're going to drag it out as long as they can. But I'd say that's the legal strategy, right? Uh, we, all, we all know the difference between, you know, a, an abortion-free state, like, you know, you've got Alabama or something that might come online quickly. And then you have a New York, right, which will be a hub. They'll be like, you know, the, 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 the spokes on a wheel. You know, you got the hub in the middle and all the, the different spokes and people will be coming into New York and all other, you know, places like California and, and Illinois from all across the country to get their abortions. So you're going to have these big abortion deserts where there's no abortion available. And you'll have these hubs like California, these these places where, you know, it, it may have more or less a sanctuary state for abortion. 
and that'll be the new that'll be the new landscape in the U.S. I was going to ask you this just because just because I'm interested. Uh, now, do you think that as as this takes place and you see this sort of resorting in terms of abortion deserts versus places where people are going to get abortions, and and you're going to probably see clinics like you know the size that Doctor Bernard Nathanson used to run, right, where they got like you know a dozen abortionists going nonstop, and you basically have these massive killing factories that are making a making a small fortune is. Do you think you'll increasingly see pro-choice people just move to pro-choice states and pro-life people move to pro-life states also just because not specifically to get an abortion, but just because they prefer the culture in a state that preserves life or that permits abortion? I think that's already happening. There's a migration happening in the U.S. Red states are being filled in with you know, people who don't want to live in blue states or conservative pro-life Christians are moving to red states. That's already taking place. With or without the the, the uh, without fall the fall of Roe v. Wade, so I think that'll just increase more than likely. I mean, people are just starting to think, where do we want to live? We want to live in a pro Second Amendment state, you know, or live in a, a state that you know takes a hard line on illegal immigration, all, all the you know conservative you know issues. Uh, those people are going to be moving to those states. I, I don't know if people are going to be just moving to to New York because they support abortion if they're pro-choice, but along with their other issues, you know, that fall in line, their worldview, they're going to be moving to places where they feel, um, you know, more at home, I guess you could say. Final question would be, uh, so Created Equal does a whole bunch of things. You guys are fundamentally frontline activists that are educating people using abortion victim photography, but you've, you know, you've testified at state houses. You guys have gone on tours attached to election cycles. What's your plan for the rest of the year? Well, we're going to get through this next month. First, you know, we're going to be in uh, Washington. June 27th is going to be the D-Day, decision day for Dobbs. I could be wrong, but if I get it right, I'm going to be going to Vegas, baby. No, I was kidding. I've been <laughs> saying to my friends, I'm saying to them, don't, you know, they go to the Supreme Court every Monday. I'm like, you're wasting your time, man. They're not going to hand this decision down until the justices can leave town right away. I mean, John Roberts, you can say what you like about the guy, but he doesn't want to put his justices at risk, you know. If they if they hand down the decision today, for an example, these guys, these justices would have to live in Washington for the next three weeks or so. I mean, who who would do that? Who would subject them to that? So I think it's going to be at the very last moment they're going to hand this down. And we'll be in Washington to mark that moment, despite the fact that National Right to Life says don't celebrate. You know, don't celebrate. I'm saying, well, listen, I'm going to celebrate. I don't know about anybody else. National Right to Life said don't celebrate? They're telling people, listen, this is unbelievable. National Right to Life sent out an email saying, don't participate in the Dobbs, the D-Day decision, Dobbs decision day events that the Pro-Life Action League, ourselves, and Monica Mills Group, uh, Citizens for a Pro-Life Society, are scheduled across the country. We have almost 100 cities that are going to spontaneously hold rallies at state houses, federal courthouses, and Planned Parenthood facilities the moment the Dobbs decision is handed down. And National Right to Life is saying, telling their people to not participate in those events. And what is the reason for that? Like, would it be wrong to have a party when the Emancipation Proclamation came down? Or? <laughs> I'm ignoring their, their suggestion, of course. But uh, it's because they are concerned that the pro-abortion people will use it as an opportunity to uh, perpetrate more uh, violence and other things like that. And it, it's counterproductive that 
we don't want to be dancing on the grave of Roe v. Wade. And I said, well, I do. I think it's probably the only time I can think of where grave dancing is actually recommended. Exactly. I, and so, it, it, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to listen to them. I, I don't really, really know that. But, I mean, that's, that's what we're going to do. That's that first week. And then it's just like, okay, where do we need to be? I mean, depending on the legal uh, strategy of the, the abortion movement, where is their next move? Where do we need to be within geographical limitations? We will we will make our assets available in states where we can make an impact and in, in pushing over the, the finish line some of these bills that might be held up right now in the state houses or you know anywhere we can do what we do best and that is to change public opinion, bring some pressure to lawmakers uh, and, and bring you know bring attention to them in the media to try to get these bills into law and enforced. That's what we're going to be doing for this foreseeable future. You had mentioned people can get in touch with you personally if they want some advice on some of the things we talked about. What would your email address be? Mark at createdequal.org. Mark at createdequal, that's all one word, dot org. All right, Mark. Well, thanks a million. I hope to see you on Decision Day in D.C. We'll see you then. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Mark Harrington of Created Equal. If you want to check out past shows or subscribe to future shows, head over to LifeSiteNews.com and click on the podcast tab. There you can check out the shows and the interviews that we've already done, or you can uh, subscribe to get them delivered to you week by week. You can get our content wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week.